Hey everybody, this is another episode of 81 Points, and in this episode, we uh, explain to you the name 81 Points. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys know already, but if you don't, um, we named this podcast after one legendary performance by our favorite Laker, Kobe Bryant. And, um, you know, aside from that, uh, we spend a little time talking about um, the front office in the Lakers organization, um, our thoughts about the whole dynamic between, you know, can a legendary player like Magic Johnson be a great front office executive? And is he is he doing a good job? What is our confidence level? Um, Spoiler alert, very low. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's very low, but, you know, relatively speaking, I think things could be better. Um, but yeah, we talk about right, Magic. Only for me, I think it's very low. Okay, we talk about Magic for a little bit. Um, we talk about the team, you know, how Luke Walton is doing, what our thoughts about him are. Um, obviously, there's a little bit talk about LeBron and the team, the players. Um, you know, of course, Anthony Davis has been in the news a lot, being linked to possibly being traded to the Lakers. So we get into that a little bit. I think every NBA fan has thought of Anthony Davis at least once, once a day. Yeah, this I mean, season. it's Christmas time. You know, people have <laughs> people have their wish lists, and he, he is, is on every, the top every... of every team's wish list right now. Yeah. So um, we we do a little bit of Anthony Davis talk. So um, hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is the latest of 81 points. Welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. Okay, 81 Points, the two Chris's are here, we're back. How's it going? Things are doing, things are going pretty well. Um, So, I figured for this episode we would do a little bit of housekeeping okay um most if not all the people that are listening right now they're listening to the second episode of 81 points as they know it right Right. um but in reality unless they uh they visit our site 81points.com yeah there's a there's a few deep cuts <laughs> on on our website. Um, for the true fans. For the true fans, yes. Um, but for <laughs> most people out there, um, this is but our second episode that you guys are listening to. Um, I guess we can quickly just go over, you know, what 81 points means. Um, you know, in case you didn't know which I'm assuming most of you guys do know the significance of of 81 points. But um, for me, and I don't think, Chris, we I ever ever talked about this with you, but um, the reason why I wanted to name our show 81 points, um, basically I thought it was a funny name because um, obviously, you know, this is a reference to a game where Kobe scored 81 points. And, uh, you know, 
it's it's ironic that he had his greatest scoring performance in what amounted to a very insignificant game in his career. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we see people put up a lot of scoring numbers now and uh, a lot of great individual performances, uh, but no one has topped those 81 points yet. And uh, even in this day and age where people are shooting three-pointers at a ridiculous rate, you know, we haven't seen many people come close to uh, that total. Um, so I just thought it was a cool name to give our our little show here. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> it sort of encapsulates our whole uh, um, sort of like us growing up, you know, like our childhood. I don't want to say just childhood, but, like, because Kobe has been such a big uh, figure, I guess, um, from, like, our adolescence all the way through college. Like, that's long. That's how long he's played uh, the game. And the 81 is sort of, it really kind of ties it in a very little nice bow of what he did in his career, which was score a shit ton of points, but also win doing it so um yeah i don't know i think uh it's a good uh it's a pretty appropriate name yeah and you know another thing about kobe was um he was definitely a player that was not in the nba to make friends no right right and uh you know as as long as he was a laker we kind of knew what the dynamics were with him and other players, you know, basically it was bottom line. It was just win and that's it. Do your job. Um, he wasn't, he didn't prioritize, you know, um, being an icon off the court or making best friends with other people in the NBA for him. It was all about chasing a goal, an individual goal. And, um, you know, there was never any uh, question about what his intentions were or or how he was perceived by, you know, the people around him. Which is why I think the Lakers team now, it's such an interesting time to follow the Lakers because for the longest time, we knew what the dynamics of the team were. It was, it was Kobe's team and everyone else better fall in line, right? Yeah. Um, but now, now that Kobe's gone, we have this new group of Lakers players. And you throw in an all-time great in LeBron into the mix. And all of a sudden, now we're, we're trying to, from the outside looking in, establish like what the, what the inner workings of the team are and um, you know what the dynamics of that group is. That's something that I'm really like fascinated by these days. Um, yeah, you know, actually, you know what's kind of interesting is that um, it's funny because this podcast is named after basically in, in honor, in homage for like a guy that does not even, that guy's not even playing anymore, you know, yet he still wields so much influence. The way, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like Game of Thrones. It's like Ned Stark 
is no longer here, right? And he wasn't even there. Okay, spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone that has not seen Game of Thrones. But, so don't listen right now, going forward, if you have not watched any Game of Thrones, and you still plan to. Okay, so basically, it's kind of like Ned Stark. He gets killed off in the first, what is the first two, second season, is it? It was the first season. Okay, I think ki- middle of first season, I would say. Okay, he yeah. gets killed off, right? And yet, Ned Stark's influence is pretty much felt for the still for the remainder of the series, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, John Snow's it? wondering who his mom right. is still. It's so it's kind of like Kobe's Ned Stark, and the Lakers is is the Stark family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this podcast is named after essentially actually named after Kobe because it's it's uh, it's honoring eighty one points the, the the points he scored in a game, but it's for a guy who who hasn't played in the NBA for I don't know how many years now. Yeah. Um, but it just speaks to the influence that he had on us as fans. And I think uh, that's not just speaking for just us two, but for uh, everyone in LA. And, you know, LeBron, for all of his accolades and his achievements, is actually still kind of playing in, in Kobe's shadow, which is kind of insane because, you know, in many respects, I think Kobe or, um, LeBron has actually surpassed surpassed Kobe, you know. So, um, but I think it's it's important to make that distinction because we'll actually still be talking about Kobe a lot. Yeah, you know especially I mean? especially our generation because yeah. you know we're 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 not that much younger. We're kind of uh, you know you and I were both um, oh, we're really of young. the same generation <laughs> as Kobe. Yeah, and so. You know, when he broke into the league, we were growing up and we were, you know, in junior high school. And then we essentially we grew up with Kobe as he was, you know, growing up uh, in the public view in the NBA. So, um, you know, people around our age, we have like this special affinity to Kobe. And uh, clearly some people still can't let that go, you know, uh, when when the Lakers signed LeBron over the summer, you know, you saw those murals being vandalized, you know, a, a number of times. Well, I mean, Kobe's Ned Stark. Does anyone hate Ned Stark? Does anyone not like Ned Stark? You know what I mean? Yeah, people not the <laughs> Lannisters, which is like basically every other fan base in the NBA. Yeah. But, you know, he... Kobe is... I gotta, I gotta believe that he is respected by every NBA fan, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the way he played. Um, I mean, the purist. He's respected in, I think, uh, amongst, like, the uh, stars as well. Yeah. I mean, an assassin on the court. uh, Just supreme work ethic and determination. Um, There's a lot to respect about him. Uh, I mean, he was a player with shortcomings as well, you know? I, I don't think we're too blind to see you know, where he fell short in certain areas. Um, well, I, I think it's important, why it's important, that's why it's important that we talk about uh, the significance of Kobe and the influence he's had and the, the kind of a, effect that he's had because I think there's going to be a lot of times when we talk during this podcast where people will actually be like, are these guys even fans of Kobe? Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because this is the thing, like, we're not, like, complete, like, you know, Kobe 
uh, fanatics where we have like these blinders on. I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of feelings about, I mean, I love Kobe, but there are a ton of things where I was just not happy in the way he uh, went about things when, when he played, you know, would you, would you consider yourself a, a Kobe Stan? Um, I definitely used to be, I don't think I am anymore. Um, but I think just, that's just came with age, you know, like as you get older, when you're a kid and you're watching this guy play basketball, I mean, I wasn't old enough to really appreciate Jordan and Kobe was the closest thing. And there was no one else that really did what he did. Um, you know, so at that point, at that time in my life, I think he could do no wrong, you know, and I wanted, there were times where I wanted him the ball in his hands and I wanted him to shoot every single time. And I was totally cool with it because I loved the whole spectacle of watching him like just drop 50 on a team and the, you know, and the team would, the other team could do absolutely nothing. Um, so I love that. But, you know, as you get older, I think you realize like, you know, he's kind of an asshole, you know? So, um, you know, when you get older, when you finish school, when you join the workforce and things like that, I think you start to understand that life is a lot more nuanced, you know, than, I don't know, you you view basketball and you view, like, things like that, like, a, a lot differently, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of Kobe stands, I think, who will forever and always be blindly loyal to Kobe. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm piggybacking on what you just said. Um, and I, I'm wondering if this is your experience as well. But for me, the older I get, the more time passes. I feel like I'm becoming less emotional emotionally tied to the sports teams that i root for um yeah it's just like we've seen it all now and it's it's easier to be objective about certain things you know as opposed to like when we were teenagers let's say yeah for sure i mean so that ties into everything that you're saying yeah i i mean i could say like uh you know the most where i sort of felt the way it kind of just changed things for me it wasn't even with the Lakers or basketball, it was with the Dodgers. Cause you know, I'm a lifelong Dodgers and Lakers fan, but you know, when we traded away Mike Piazza, like that, just a part of me died that day, <laughs> as a, as a fan, just in general. So, um, you know, things like that though, I just, you know, when you grow up and you know, you start to kind of get a little more jaded with life. I think you, yeah, I think you sort of change as a fan, and like you said, become a little less emotional. Um, doesn't make watching any less exciting, though. I mean, I think we right. still get pretty amped up about a lot of... I mean, that's why we have this podcast. So, um, But I think, it, yeah, it just changes the way we view things. Um, and that's why I think it's sort of like we, the way we view Kobe has evolved. You know, we still see him as this amazing Lake great. Um, you know, some will say he's the greatest Laker, um, but, you know, we kind of view it a little in a more realistic, like, prism frame. Right, you know, and that right there even, uh, I'd like to think demonstrates our objectivity about things a little bit, even though our show is named 81 Points and, you know, we will both admittedly say that Kobe is our favorite Laker of all time. Um, we can both sit here and say that 
it was actually Magic Johnson that's the greatest Laker of all time. Yeah, I don't I don't even think it's uh it's really debatable. Cuz Magic I mean Magic was, I mean I think it's debatable you think so? a little bit. I don't yeah. know. I think he ha- he has a case. Kobe has a case. Maybe. He tied Magic with rings. He's an all-time leading Laker scorer. That's true. Um there's a couple of things in his favor, but I think there's a stronger argument for Magic Johnson, obviously, for everything he did um, for the Lakers and beyond. Um, yeah. Which segues nicely into what I want to talk about next with um, the front office, you know, Magic and Rob. There's been a lot of chatter lately about, uh, you know, do the Lakers, are the Lakers going to have the ability to bring on another superstar player uh, within the next year or so to team up with LeBron? Um, we're hearing, you know, more noise about the Clippers being able to sign some superstar free agents um, coming up shortly here because, you know, they have Jerry West in their franchise. Um, so what do you, what's your overall, and I don't, I don't want this to, you know, turn into like a shit talking session about um, Magic Johnson so much, but um, you already feel that, you know, what, what <laughs> this is on the heels of us both feeling like Magic Johnson's the greatest Laker of all time. Yeah. I mean, as a player, he's the, he, you know, he cannot be, he cannot be messed with, but um being a front office executive is a different thing, right? So, um, well, I mean, I've always had problems with. I wasn't that keen on bringing Magic on as a Laker executive, um, just because I have, and it's not even necessarily just Magic. It's just that I feel like there's almost like this this pattern where the greater the player is, the worse the executive he is. You know, like Matt. Just look at Michael Jordan. He's he's so bad. At yeah, me. I agree. Yeah, for every um, for every one Jerry West, there is like yeah. three or four Michael Jordans. Or I mean, look at Elgin Isaiah, Baylor's, Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Elgin Thomas's. Baylor's, yeah, Magic, uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, it's just really bad. Like when you're extremely good at something, like elite at something, you cannot look at that certain thing in the eyes of a normal person. That's no. that's my theory on why like it's so hard for these NBA greats to transition into other roles in the NBA because yeah. playing for them was like a different deal than it was for other players. Also, they can't relate. Yeah, know, that's right? that's I mean that's kind of what I'm okay, trying to yeah, get at. Yeah. yeah. They just can't relate to like the average player, you know. Um but yeah, I think well so back to the, you know, the Lakers bringing on a major star. I mean, I think it's a given that we'll get one more because we have so much cap space and there's such a loaded class coming up. I think that's a given. I think the question is, are who are we going to get and are we going to get a third one? You know what I mean? Because, um, you know, there's all this chatter about us wanting to get Anthony Davis, um, which I think is a major question mark just because, you know, he's not a free agent. And we'll have to trade for him. So um, I don't think there's any question we'll get a second star. And I just don't think having a second superstar next to LeBron, that doesn't guarantee us, you know, being a absolute 
like championship favorite, right? But you right. Know, we need to have three, right? Yeah. So there are there are a couple names out there, right? So you 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 uh, said a couple. So there's Anthony Davis, uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant. I think those three. Getting one of those three would be considered a home run, right? Yeah, and I and I feel comfortable that we'll get one of those. Like I feel, like I said, I'm still standing by the fact that the idea that I think we'll we'll get Kevin Durant. Okay, I think you're probably more a lot more confident than I am. <laughs> um, so those are home. Those would be home run signings, right? Yeah. How would you feel about the Lakers hitting a triple in the offseason and? What I mean by that is signing a player like Chris Middleton or Tobias Harris. There's other free agents out there that are not like elite tier, but uh, let's say second tier free agents. How would you feel about uh, the Lakers not getting the three home run high, the three home run signings, but uh, um, landing one of these uh, second tier players? Well, I think it depends on whether we could still get that second superstar so are you saying basically our teammate would be lebron a superstar and then like a chris middleton or tobias harris because i think if we just have lebron and then our second superstar is the ilk of chris middleton or tobias harris then yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't really be happy and i wouldn't feel confident that we could uh we could we could contend or at least be a favorite to contend. So, okay, let's let's pick Chris Middleton, okay? Because I like him as a player. Yeah, I, um, I, I think he's great. What if next season the Lakers had the exact same roster, but with Chris Middleton? I don't think it'll be enough. Yeah. No, that no. wouldn't uh, that wouldn't tickle your fancy no, just I mean, a little I, bit. No, not at all. I mean, it would tickle me in a way where I would be amped, like it, I would be thrilled. But this is the thing in the NBA, like. At the beginning of every season, you could usually always tell who's going to win the championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I look at that roster, I'm not thinking championship. And in the NBA, you got to be the favorite. Otherwise, like, the chances are pretty slim. So, or at least one of the favorites, I should say. So, a Lakers, so what, I'm, what I think you're saying is a Lakers team of LeBron, Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball would be worse than a Lakers team of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and a bunch of scrubs. Yeah, I would say so. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's debatable, I guess. I guess it would depend on what the scrubs would be. Uh, But, I mean, I I would still just roll with LeBron and Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is... I mean, for one, you would have him in the fold. That means, like, even if disaster, worst-case scenario... We wouldn't win with LeBron. We still got Anthony Davis for the next, the next era. Yeah. So, so Anthony Davis is is the one player that I would want out of all of them. Yeah, he's personally he's the one to get. Um. So I'm thinking about what it would take for the Lakers to trade for him. Uh, that's going to include draft picks. That's going to include at least two of those young players. Yeah. Um. Is there a too much for Anthony? And there, obviously, there there is a too much for anybody, but um, within the realm of possibility, like, is there a too much for Anthony Davis? Well, I mean, I feel like as long as we can keep one, ideally two, right? But you're saying 
I mean, I think they're going to want the farm, so they'll probably want three of the four. And by four, I mean Lonzo, Hart, Kuzma, and Ingram. Um, and I'm not listing them in any particular order, but just saying that those are the four most valuable young trade chips. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I think if we could keep two of those, it would be absolutely ideal, but I'm assuming it'll take at least three. Um, but yeah, if we can keep two of those, oh, without a doubt, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and I'm warming up to the idea of, you know, trading away Ingram because, I mean, Anthony Davis, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know how you feel about Ingram. I mean, he's been, you know, your boy for yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah. But yeah, if it's if it's for Anthony Davis, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, for sure. But you know, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about Anthony Davis to the Lakers uh, in the media these days, and the impression that I'm getting is that every team out there hates the Lakers. Like <laughs> they. The Lakers are the last team that a team will do a favor for. It, that's you know, what that's the impression just, that I get. I mean, it's been like that for so long, and it's like I don't understand. It's like, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I they. Mean, I mean, they're the saying whole, the Pelicans CP three thing got beat, right. That know? too. I mean, they're saying the Pelicans don't want to trade it's with the Lakers. So um, I mean, that's the reason why we didn't get. Yeah, Trevor so we Arisa. talked about Trevor Ariza last time. Well, we thought that he was going to come to the Lakers, but then it, you know. Uh, it it was revealed that the Suns do not want to help out the Lakers. And so by the way, the Suns is probably the worst run franchise in, if not all of sports in the NBA. You know, did you hear about how that wh- how one of the trades did not go down because of the Marshawn Brooks and Dylan Brooks mix up? Yeah, so uh, they wanted Dylan Brooks. Yeah. It was not clear, like, which Brooks they Yeah, I mean, right? how do you mess up and not be clear as to who your guys are trading for? So when They thought that they had a deal in place because one team was thinking that they were getting Marshawn Brooks and the other team was thinking that they were talking about Dylan Brooks. So when, um, <laughs> when James Jones was on the phone, he was like, we want Brooks. Yeah. And he never specified I guess not. Marshawn I mean, or Dylan Brooks. This is so stupid. I, I mean... It's like one of those things, like when you're when you're um, playing fantasy basketball and someone offers you a trade, and it's like yeah. uh, this player for um, Ingram, and it's Andre Ingram, not Brandon <laughs> Ingram. It's one of those things. It is, but and, it happened and, in real life. But you know, and typically, the, this is how stupid those teams are because typically, when you do that in fantasy sports, you're actually really just trying to pull a fast one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, you're going in there. Like You're hoping no, he just clicks accept. Yeah, because he yeah. thinks, yeah. But these people legitimately were both like, yeah, it's just crazy. But, you know, back to what you were talking about. Um, yeah, nobody wants to help the Lakers. No. Um, but I think it's the funny thing, though, is it's like it's ridiculous because it's not like the Lakers were good this whole time. You know what I mean? It's like, why don't they feel the same way about the Celtics? Technically, the Celtics have won more championships, right? And technically, they've... Not even technically. Literally, they have been a more successful team the last three, four years. You know what I mean? Um, with the team that they have and, um, you know, the success that they had. Yeah, well, when um, 
when the Celtics got Kevin Garnett, it was, you know, their boy Kevin McHale just yeah throwing them a lob for that one. Yeah, and you so. know, and the rumor there was that people were saying that uh, um, that the owners, uh, Jerry Buss and the owner of the Wolves, had a handshake deal to send Kevin Garnett to the Lakers. But, um, you know, Kevin McHale stepped in because he, he didn't want KG to go to the Lakers. Yeah. So... It's just like all this bullshit about, like, and you never hear about this quote unquote Celtic tax, you know, because everyone needs to pay the, the Lakers have to pay this Lakers tax where they have to overpay to get these guys. Right. And it's like, why are we hearing that about the Celtics? You know what I mean? Because they have been just as much, if not more successful as the Lakers in terms of number of championships and they have had more recent success and they have more assets. So, um, I don't know, it's just kind of bullshit. So, yeah. You know this this past off season too, um, when it was discussed that Kawhi could possibly come to the Lakers. You know the Spurs would rather deal with anyone else than the Lakers. So um, there's examples all over the board with teams just not wanting to help the Lakers out or not wanting to you know potentially make this team better than they are. So yeah. that's that's another factor that. Um, the Lakers have to deal with when they're negotiating trades, potential trades for, you know, an Anthony Davis, let's say. So that's yeah. another ob- obstacle that this front office has to face. And um, hopefully they're equipped to uh, go to battle and, you know, negotiate good trades for the team. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, um, the the Clippers, like Jerry West cannot be discounted. Like you cannot underestimate. The um, the ability of this guy. I don't care how old he is. He wields so much, like he's so capable of pulling off like a super team. Well, I know, I know you said that, yeah. and I mean everyone, everybody's saying that. You know, the, yeah. Jer- the Jerry West factor in the Clippers. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to grabbing a a free agent, a big free agent, like how much. I can see I can see Jerry West and his evaluation skills, obviously. You know, it's been well documented that he, you know, he was adamant that Kobe was going to be an all-time great when yeah. most people didn't see that. So I can see it from an evaluation standpoint, but from a standpoint of trying to grab a big free agent, you're talking about what, so is, you're, what is the You're pull? basically talking about speaking to his charisma or his ability to sell. Yeah, I mean, is, it, is he that charismatic that... It, well, at this I don't age? know. I think if if he was able to do that with Shaq, I mean, I know. Granted, that was obviously like that was like twenty years ago. Yeah, or whatever. twenty years yeah. ago. I don't know. I just all I'm saying is, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I feel like he can just literally say, "You see that logo on the end? <laughs> you know, what I mean? He's, that's that's me. That is me, actually. You know, like." Um, like I'm not sure that this new generation cares about that at all. Well, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I didn't even think that Pat Riley had influence, but he was able to convince LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's well I mean, documented that, that LeBron is you know Wayne's. like a big historian of the NBA, so yeah. he can appreciate what, what who Pat Riley is, right? Um, Which, by the way, also this is the reason why Magic Johnson scares the shit out of me. Is that you know there was recent this this uh, this talk about how you know Luke Walton is not his guy. Did you yeah. Know about that? Yeah. 
and like he prefers a guy like Pat Riley. Like a Pat Riley. Which is like I don't know, that doesn't tell you how much like Magic does not know the game of basketball like in this new era. I don't know what to tell you. Like what has he done? <laughs> what has he done to make anyone believe that he is a great VP of basketball operations? Has he done anything good? Other than smile really, really charismatically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a figurehead, great, right? Yeah. But I mean, I, I, you know, I, I give him a little more credit about bringing LeBron into the fold, but I know, you know, you make a pretty strong case about how, you know, it was less about magic, but more of LeBron, you know, making it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say that LeBron chose the Lakers. He planned to come, you know, a year in advance of coming. And that to me um, is more believable than, you know, magic showing up in his house on midnight on July 1st and just, you know, yeah. wooing him to the Lakers. But I, I will, I will give magic credit because all I know is that if Jerry, uh, if Jerry West, I'm sorry, not Jerry, Jerry bus, Jim and, bus. I'm just, yeah. There's so many J, J starting like, uh, names starting with J that, that Jerry bus had sons. Um, but yeah, Jim bus and Mitch Kupchak, if they showed up, at LeBron's LA footsteps, I don't feel like LeBron would have come. So I feel like we do need to give credit to the Magic, but yeah, I don't. I just don't buy into his ability at all of being able to. And it just it it really uh, solidified that when he when he like blasted Luke Walton at the start. You know, that's just not a savvy executive thing to do yeah that does nothing good there's nothing positive that will come out of that that did no good you know and you know for all that we've seen so far um luke walton seems like a decent coach i mean i you know there's nothing alarmingly bad you know in the beginning of the season i thought that his rotations were a little bit questionable a lot of yeah we've had a lot of uh issues with his rotations some of his in-game management but you know his I think it's fair to say that his positives greatly outnumber his negatives, you know, like he's he's a phenomenal player management like manager, like just in terms of being able to communicate to them, which is a huge thing in the NBA especially, yeah. you know, yeah. to be able to really uh um manage all those egos. So, um yeah, I feel like he's a pretty you know, he's he's not anywhere near I wouldn't place him the at the the top top ten percent of the coaches, at least not yet. But he's definitely above average in my in my opinion. You know? He's not the problem. Right. So and he's certainly I think earned the leash to be like, well let's see how well he can do, you know? Um We gotta I, see him at least coach a playoff series. Yeah. You know? Or coach a coach a team that's like has the talent. You know, where we can have that expectation of being like, okay, well, this is a champion, championship caliber team, so let's see how well you can do, you know? So, um, but Pat Riley, I mean, the fact that, you know, Magic wants a guy like Pat Riley right now is ridiculous. <laughs> like, did you hear about that, that coach, uh... Was it Kevin Boylan or something? I forgot what his full name was, but the coach in Chicago, the new coach, where he forced the players to uh, 
Oh yeah, he's he's making them practice like on a second day yeah. of a back to back and yeah, stuff like, like that. two yeah. days and stuff. Yeah, and the the players even like reported his ass to the to the association. You know, like I feel like Magic is like, yeah, that's the kind of guy I want, which is ridiculous because Pat Riley is Pat Riley is that kind of coach. You know, you know, actually, I don't know if people realize this, but uh, you know, we we probably lost lost out on a championship because of Pat Riley. Like, I don't know if you remember, there was a, one of the years the, the Detroit Pistons beat the Lakers uh-huh. in a championship game or a championship series. And a lot of the players, I don't know if they admit it, but it's, it was because of this. So this, I forget which year it is. I don't know if you want to try to look at it while I tell the story, but there was the, uh, one of the years where, um, you know the team, the Lakers team was loaded, right? They were older, but they were loaded, mm-hmm. and they had Magic, um, Byron Scott, um, you know Kareem, I think Worthy. They were they were just loaded, right? Right. Um, and they steamrolled steamrolled through the playoffs, so they beat everybody. They they went like uh, they basically swept their way into the finals, and so they had like nine days of rest. Okay. And so they're waiting for the Eastern Conference to get set up, right? And that's basically when Pat Riley said, well, if we have nine days, we cannot allow ourselves to just sit on the sideline and just be complacent. So he takes the team to, I don't know if it was Palm Springs or somewhere, and he does two-a-days with these players. This is in the middle of effing uh, June, you know, where they do like two-a-day practices, I wonder what season that was. Yeah, so lo and behold, um, you know, the finals get set up because the Detroit Pistons make it, right? And in that finals, Magic Johnson gets his hurt. I think he hurts his hammy. A bunch of other players get hurt. I think Byron Scott, Scott, like, like hurts his hammy. And they're basically done for the series. And the Detroit Pistons win the the championship. And that's because Pat Riley did the most dumbass thing. ruining his players like dragging him then through the, through the ground in the middle of of like you know at the end of a season in the middle of like june yeah so, okay so there was the 88 89 season then most likely that you're talking about yeah because yeah. magic got hurt in the first game of that finals right. i think uh i think byron scott got hurt too where they couldn't play um but that was all because of the fact that Pat Riley thought of this brilliant plan because he felt like, I don't want my boys to get complacent in the nine days. So he did two-a-days with these guys. And, I mean, that's ridiculous. But that's what Magic Johnson wants, apparently. And you think that dumbassery, or whatever <laughs> you want to call it, is rubbing off on Magic? Yeah, I mean, because he's used to that, you know? He's, he, that's just his, it's his style, you know? So um, I have major issues with, with his... Uh, Team executive ability. Um, yeah, you know when it, when it comes to um, a head coach, um, you know that's that's one of those things that's like not as easy to see like who's a good coach, who's not a good coach because you know players we can see it because they're on the court and they're performing right. But a coach, there's a lot more that goes into to uh, determining like if a head coach is a a good head coach or not. Right? It's like. You know, how are they in timeouts? You know, how are they with managing the personalities on the roster? All that. Um, how are they with strategy? 
Um, one thing that I always look for, and I think is a good sign of uh, someone's potential as a head coach, is who they've been coached under, like what their lineage is. Um, so when I look at Luke Walton, it's like, let's see, who who have been his head coaches? It's you know Phil the Jackson. Tree. Yeah, Phil Jackson, obviously, right? Um, he was an assistant for Steve Kerr for a little bit. And uh, in college, he played for Lute Olson, who is, um, you know, even though I cannot stand the Arizona basketball team as a UCLA Bruin, um, I got to give credit to what Lute Olson was able to do there. Um, I mean, he was able to bring... He's a Hall of Fame coach, right? Yeah, he was able to bring, like, superstar blue-chip prospects to Tucson, Arizona, of all places. So, um, So the lineage, I feel like, is there with Luke Walton. Right. So I I think and you know his potential also, is good. And he's also not a Hall of Fame player. Like we said, he's not this amazing former amazing basketball player. Yeah. He's a he's a middling player, which I think typically is what makes really good coaches. Yeah. Like Phil one, Jackson was not a great is was not a great player, you know. Right. Like one one thing that I've I've seen too. a lot is like especially like in college sports is like when um a really legendary coach retires they just like tab his longtime assistant to be the next in line to be head coach Mm -hmm. and this assistant has been in this legendary head coach's system for like his entire coaching career like that hardly ever works out well because this assistant coach never had time to or an opportunity to like move around and learn from different coaches like I feel like the best coaches yeah. have had experiences and stints with um, you know a multitude of good head coaches, which is why I think like Steve Kerr is a good head coach because you know he had time under Phil Jackson, he had time under Greg Popovich, um, he was also a Lou Olson um, player, you know, so he had a lot of great head coaching um, exposure. Yeah. Which is what makes him a good head coach, I think. So, which is interesting. I mean, like you know, who I thought was going to be a phenomenal head coach was Derek Fisher. I thought you that. Thought, see, he's one of those guys that's like just had Phil. Like, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You know, but he's he's that guy who he squeezed out so much out of his very very mediocre skill set. You know, and I'm not saying mediocre isn't, but I'm saying in comparison to other players and superstars. You know, he. He squeezed out so much. Out he of that. he thought the winning formula was to just stand on the sideline and just like throw out the triangle <laughs> signal to yeah. his players. Yeah, but I I thought he was going to be a, a fantastic because he sort of had that. Okay, he understands that like you know it takes require it it requires more than just ability and athleticism. But like you said, he really just. He only grew up essentially in that triangle yeah. system. My know? whole my whole thing on Derek Fisher changed a little bit after the whole uh, Matt Barnes incident. <laughs> they kind of tainted his image for me a little bit. You think he's a little skeevy? Yeah, little a skeevy. little bit. I mean, we you know last last time we talked about <laughs> D'Angelo Russell and what what he did, and so yeah. I think what Derek That's Fisher hilarious. tried to pull you know on Matt Barnes is a little bit That's funny. in in that ballpark. I feel like so you know. That's funny. Um, as much as he brought us such great moments as Laker fans, I mean, yeah. you gotta admit it's a little, a little sketchy what he, <laughs> what he did to his uh, former pl- former teammate there. So I don't know yeah. if we can speak, you know, only good things about Derek Fisher. All right, all um, right. but yeah, so yeah, I think it remains to be seen with Luke Walton. We got to give him a chance. 
and the fact that magic is blasting him and uh, that leaking out to the media says something about you know I, I think magic is um, I don't know I don't know how he is as an executive um, you know lost in all this is Rob Polinka and what and what kind of GM is he I don't even know how much uh, well, influence well, or that's power exactly, that's, he has that's what I was going to say either. and I was going to say like you know Rob Polinka comes out very intelligent right yeah but I want to know is how much like is he a yes man you know what I'm saying right is he just a yes man like that's what I'm wondering like because I feel like he just comes across as such a polished guy but just a nice guy you know like I can imagine him just agreeing with whatever Magic says you know, which, which I hope he would not be a good <laughs> would sign. Not be, yeah. It would not be good. And one thing in his defense, I mean, and this is this is all we never we don't know anything about this guy other than his credentials. One thing I'll say, he's extremely intelligent. The guy has, I think, he's got a law degree and a MBA. Yeah, no question. Um, so he's like real life Ari Gold a yeah, little bit. Yeah, he's he's yeah. got uh, yeah impeccable resume. But you know, I'm just wondering how much. You know, how much say does he have, you know? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if Magic and Rob Polinka were to have an argument about something, or, you know, maybe just, you know, they're just, yeah, they're having a, an a argument about a certain decision, who's going to win out on that? Right. I mean, my, my money is on Magic Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I think know? so, too. Um, which kind of scares me, because, I don't know, I, I actually give... I would want to give more uh, power to Rob Polinka to make these types of decisions. Right. Over he magic. strikes me as a guy that's like has a really good understanding of what a good contract is and what a bad contract is. Oh, for without player. question, because yeah. he's a former agent. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think um, I'm hoping that he has like significant influence in who the Lakers sign. I mean, here's the thing: Rob Polinka. Obviously has management skills because he has an MBA. So he's had classes that right. teach him, you know, it's it's business school 101. Do not chastise your employee like, I don't know, months into their job, you know, when it's not even their fault. You know, yeah. that's I mean, that's obvious. And yet here's Magic Johnson just doing exactly that, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. Um, you know, so far, I think the front office has done a decent job, I would say. You know? Yeah, it, I think they've done a phenomenal job, really, I, I would say, especially given the hand that they were dealt with in terms of, you know, some of the con- contracts that they were right essentially held ransom, basically, with the, the Mozgov and the... Um, what was the other egregious steal that Luol Deng? <laughs> Luol Deng. Which which contract do you think was worse? Luol Deng's, I would say. Oh my gosh. Well, no, that's They're debatable. Both pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Lakers essentially had to sacrifice D'Angelo Russell to get rid of the Mozgov yeah, contract. You know, and with all of Russell's faults, and you know, we've talked a lot about his his sketchy off court behavior. Um, he is a young prospect with lots of talent, and we gave him away. A former number two overall pick, we gave him away for 
nothing. We gave him away just to unload a bad contract, which yeah. is so, so bad. You I'm, know? I mean, now that he's not on the Lakers, like, I find him extremely annoying. <laughs> I mean, even <laughs> when he was on the Lakers, I was like, dude. You weren't really a Russell fan. Yeah, no, he was never, um, yeah. he was never one of my favorites. Um, I mean, he, sh- he's you know, objectively, he, sh- yeah, he's obnoxious. He shoots like 41% from the field. I mean, he's not the most efficient guy in the world. Okay. But he's I not lighting he's the world on fire. Phenom- he's a pretty phenomenal, well, I guess phenomenal saying too much, but I still, I think he's a good shooter. I think he's and borderline great for a kid his age. Um, 42% is not great, but I mean, you look at Damian Lillard's career shooting percentage, it's probably like in the 43, Kemba Walker's similar. I mean, um, but D'Angelo's like a 37% uh, three-point shooter too. And these are numbers that you would die for, kill for, for, <laughs> for Lonzo, you know? And I, you know, I keep saying this, I've said this maybe like two straight podcasts now, but he would actually be a better fit with LeBron than Lonzo, you know? Um I but mean, yeah. as much as I lament over Lonzo, I still would not go that far. Okay. <laughs> well, let me let me break it down for you. So, okay, you're right. 37% from three, D'Angelo. That's what he's... Yeah. Career, he's a 35% three-point shooter. Which okay. is not... Which is average. It's, yeah, it's average. It's average. Um, career, he's a 41% uh, shooter from the field, okay. which is bad. Yeah, sure. Uh, career, he's a 75% free throw shooter, which is average, I would say, again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, he's young. I'll give him that. He's young, and you know? I think he's actually a pretty damn good passer. Maybe not as good as Lonzo, but he's got great vision. He's a good passer, um, and um, he, he's, he's a pretty damn smart player, too. He's just not as athletic. Um, You're telling me that you would rather have D'Angelo Russell than Lonzo right now? Like, without question? I don't know. If, okay, so are we separating his off-court... Let's say he, let's say his off-court let's stuff. Just, no, yeah, okay, let's right, say right. Just as a basketball stuff, player. Yeah, I think... Because, you know, be, Lonzo, Lonzo also has baggage with... I mean, yeah. Not, not, not his own fault, but... Right. We, but all intents and purposes, I can't help but who his dad is, Yeah, right? I think Lonzo actually has been a very model right. teammate. Right, and that's what I saw at UCLA. Yeah, yeah so yeah. all so, that... I give him that. But let's say putting all that Just aside. Just as a basketball player. As a basketball player, yeah. I would absolutely say that D'Angelo would be a better fit than Lonzo than, uh, than, uh, or, uh, yeah, than Lonzo Ball. I think D'Angelo is actually a, a pretty damn underrated passer. He's got great vision and he's a good passer. Like, I, it, it, it made it more, even more clear just watching him play last night in the Laker game. He was, he was finding guys like, with four easy buckets throughout. I wouldn't game. like consider him a pass first point guard though. I wouldn't consider him a pass first point guard either. Um, because he, I mean, I think he loves shooting, but he is still a great shooter, and I think he's perfect for this type of NBA sort of combo guard positionless um, basketball sport. Um, the only thing is that Lonzo has he's leaps and bounds above. D'Angelo in defense. Right. So that's that was my next yeah. follow-up question was is his yeah. is D'Angelo's is a disparity in shooting ability between uh D'Angelo and Lonzo greater than the defensive disparity between the two well, players? Because Well, I think I think without question Lonzo is 
going to be an elite defender. I mean, he might already be. Yeah, he might already be there, but yeah. without question, he's going to be um, in the near right. future. Right. Um, and I agree with that, but until Lonzo improves with his shooting, his shooting is... is it's, it's atrocious. Not, yeah, Let's it's, just you know, call it for what it is. <laughs> it's borderline unplayable, I think. You can't... I mean, I don't know. You pull up Patrick Beverly's shooting stats, but like he is Patrick Beverly, basically. You know what I mean? Is Patrick Beverly like a terrible shooter? Yeah, he's, even, he's sort of that uh, great defensive point guard, uh, terrible shooter type. Okay, of. let's look up. Uh, let's look at what Patrick Beverly is doing. Um, but yeah, I would say that um, yeah, D'Angelo would be a better fit right now. I mean, I'm rooting for Lonzo to obviously put it together, um, but. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Beverly's actually shooting worse than Lonzo so far. Um, so that is that is pretty mind. Thirty five percent from the field oh is Patrick Beverly's uh, shooting percentage. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I would still I would still take Lonzo. Over so you would take Patrick Beverly over D'Angelo right now. Is basically what you're saying. No, I'm saying I take Lonzo <laughs> over D'Angelo. They're not the same player. I think Patrick Beverly's defense is actually a little bit overrated. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think the feistiness that he exudes, um, people mistake that for, like, good defense. <laughs> but, I mean, let's look. I mean, he's what? 6'1"? Uh, yeah, and Lonzo's 6'6". Six, six. So, just measurables well, alone. Lonzo plays like he's 6'1 a lot of times. Not on defensive end, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So it's okay. So it sounds like I'm shitting Alonzo on Lonzo, but I really want him to do well. It's just the fact that his shooting is so bad. In his defense, the last five games or so, he's actually shot extremely well. Um, yeah, it's still pretty bad. Like, well, the whole thing with Lonzo and his shooting, um, the way I look at it now, it's like he needs to he needs to string together like a good like twenty games of improved shooting. For that to even get my attention, you know, or for for it to even like change my mind about his shooting ability, yeah, in, in the slightest. Yeah, well, I mean? I mean, we and we talked about this just a couple a uh, couple games ago, you know, when we were watching and separately, we were watching the, uh, uh, I don't know which game you got the he got the triple double. Which team was that against the uh, Hornets? Hornets, yeah, yeah, he got a triple double, and we were texting. And we're talking about how it's not even that exciting, to be honest, you know, because it's like, I mean, the fact of the matter is, yeah, you got this triple double, but how's your shooting? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if your shooting is, if his shooting is still utter shit, it doesn't matter that he dropped a triple double because that'll always, there'll always be a cap to his potential. If he... it, it was a, it was a Draymond Green ish triple double <laughs> and not so much like a James Harden ish triple double. Yeah. It's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, for me it's like I've I've accepted the fact that his shooting is bad. Okay. Um like like yesterday, what, he was like five for nine from three yeah. against against Brooklyn. But it's like, so what? That's just yeah. one game. Yeah. You know, put together put together fifteen to twenty games of improved shooting and then maybe I'll say there's a chance for yeah. him to be a better shooter. But here's I will say this though. Uh, so, um, I think his total games now played 
so here's there's two things. Um, the last game that he played, um, yeah, the most recent game where he went five for nine. I watched him play. I watched pretty much the whole game. I saw a a very much different Lonzo ball, um, where he was actually like, you know, normally when we watch ball play, he'll pass up open shots. You yeah, know what I mean. In he'll this pass game, up open layups. He'll pass up open layups. Yeah. In this game, I saw him like be much more aggressive. I saw him like, for example, he would miss a shot, he would get the ball right back, he'd be open, he would still look to pass. In this game, I saw him do things where he missed a shot, he got the ball right back, he'll take it again without hesitation. Okay. For me, I was like, wow, okay, that's a really good sign. So you think more aggression is gonna help him? Well, I think that aggression is a sign of him being like, you know, like having confidence. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's why like I look for that and that's why I'm happy to see that. And so seeing that and seeing how his recent play has been much improved, I think it's possible that uh we might be seeing we it might be possible that we're just just shooting shit in the wind like this might right. be completely nothing. But I think it's possible uh we might be seeing a start of a different Lonzo. And um, the second, and the second thing is the fact that right now it actually signifies a his whole total games played. It signifies an eighty-two game season. I think yeah, which completes his. He first. has a com- he has played eighty-three games now. Okay, so essentially point. it's yeah a full season. So yeah. we're technically into his year two right now. You know what I mean? So I'm saying coupled with all that, I might I'm saying we might be actually seeing a change. Of a, it's like what the, what what is it right now? It's Wednesday, the, the middle of December, and in 2018, this right. might be the sign of 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 like Lonzo Ball actually finally, um, you know, being the player that we think he is. This is after I just spent like 20 minutes shitting on him. <laughs> yeah, but I thought that was kind of interesting, and I think like that should probably be noted because of the fact that like he's been playing really great lately. Um, and also it's not just him simply shooting better percentage wise, but I see him being a lot more aggressive, being a lot, um, you know, being a better, uh, shooter and more, uh, yeah, being a better, just overall, like being more aggressive. So, you know, that, that sounds nice and all, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to remain skeptical, I think. Well, until until we see, like I said, until we see a nice run of games where there's some improved shooting. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm I was much more skeptical than you in just just a couple podcasts from you. I think yeah yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I mean, you know, I I th- I still think there's a chance that he can become a great player. It's a small chance, but there's still a chance. Um, if, if we see better shooting, then. You know, for an extended period of time, then you know, then I'll become cautiously optimistic. Okay, but um, I think it's going to take time, basically, and I'm willing for to give sure. him some time to to make it right. But um, the question is, well, is is LeBron going to give him time? I mean, just like with you know Ingram or Kuzma or any of these other young guys, is is if if we can get Anthony Davis, then I'll take I'll you know be willing to part with any of these guys right yeah sure. so um you know we'll see we'll Would see you how say much that anthony davis is is 
the number one guy you would want on your team? Like we have LeBron. Who's the who's the other guy in the NBA that you would want? Is it Anthony Davis? I would say yes. Uh, yeah, I would say yes because he's like four or five years younger than Kevin Durant, which is crazy. I mean, it's half a decade. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I would elite, definitely say basketball. Wins. I would definitely say Anthony Davis is the number one guy. And you know what's? You know what I thought about today is like think of a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. It it just makes me realize that oh, Kobe and Shaq was like. So crazy because I would take Kobe and Shaq still over Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? Wow. Yeah, I guess you would have to. They're, That's a dominant. Those are both pairs of t- top two top five players in the game, right? Yeah. But you mean at the time? At, in yeah. their in their heyday, yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, it's Anthony crazy. Davis and LeBron. I, I still think it does not compare to what Shaq and Kobe was. I mean, really, that's the perspective how how dominant that pairing was. Yeah. yeah. Which could be why, like, so many teams hate the Lakers, because they looked at that <laughs> and they were like, are you serious? <laughs> we don't want a part two of that. Like, well, you know, basically what, what every team is going through with the Warriors right now, that's kind of what they lived through I mean, Shaq, with the Lakers, right? Shaq and Kobe were so good, you know, because we, we kind of just scratched the, mo- the mantra of, like, you need three stars to win a championship. But well, Shaq accounted for like two. That's what I'm saying. Like that, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that duo was so good and so dominant that like it was essentially just, uh, you know, Shaq and Kobe and role Shaq, players. Shaq and Kobe and some really scrappy yeah. role players. Like a bunch of Pat- Patrick Beverly's, basically. <laughs> like really good role players. Yeah, I mean, but, I loved Robert Ory oh, and yeah. Rick Derek Fox was yeah. good. Yeah. But they were, they were, I mean, no one would confuse them as all-stars. No, you know? no. So, um, is LeBron the only? LeBron is basically the only All Star on on this Lakers team right now, right? Uh, I, yeah, but I mean, would you say that there's All Star talent on the team? Yeah, I mean, like, I, do you think Kuzma is 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 an All Star talent now? What do you think? Like, I don't know about perennial all-star, but all-star talent? Yeah, I'll be willing to say he's an all-star talent. Uh, like, I was looking at his stats, and uh, I mean, he's he's putting in a pretty good year. Yeah, and he's 18, only 20, 18, 6, and 2. And he's only, he's only 23. You know? Right. Um, He can conceivably be like a 22, 23, 24 points per game in his his yeah i mean i gotta say his sophomore campaign um has been a lot better than i thought it would be and it's actually arguably the best out of all the players like josh hart has gone he has come back to earth significantly i think partly is because of his injury but um yeah better than uh lonzo better than ingram so far you know um kuzmas has shown tons of growth this year so yeah yeah, I agree. Um, so he could be an all-star talent, you know. I think both of us are still cautiously optimistic that uh, Ingram is an all-star, is going to be in, at an all-star level in the future. Like, if you had a team where we had three superstars, like LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, and then, like, 
whoever the third guy we sign, and then you have Kuzma as your fourth guy. I mean that that would get me excited. I don't think Kuzma would be able to survive <laughs> like not being traded in that, in that scenario. He's almost so. kind of extraneous, to be honest. Like he's got a great offensive skill set, but it's almost like, do we even need that on a team with, you know? Would be nice. Would be nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I was watching last night's game, and oh my gosh, like our shooting is such a hit or miss. It was so bad last night. Yeah. You know, like, there's no one on the team that you're thinking, you know, when they're shooting a three, you're thinking, yeah, that's money. Right. You're feeling really good. Um, I think the guy that uh, brings the most confidence in his three-point shot is LeBron, actually, on this team. Yeah. Um, Which, as much as I love that he's improved so much, I don't know if I necessarily would want him to be our best three-point shooter on the no, team. You know I mean? not, like, no, definitely not. Like, he's the kind of guy where, like, his percentages at the end of the year, they always look good. Yeah. And But it's almost like he's the kind of player you need when you need a long-range, like a three-pointer in crunch time. He'll deliver. Right. <laughs> like, in the other three quarters, I, I don't feel as, you know, confident. He's not a sniper. No. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Lakers—they've—they've they've, uh, lost a couple games on this on this road trip, but I, you know, I'm not really tripping on that because no, uh, I'm not either. The, the team's been not at full strength. I mean, just the last game, we so we played without uh, McGee and Ingram and Rondo. Yeah, yeah. Rondo. So I, I can't. I mean, and it was a it was a really hot uh, Nets team that that had won five in a row. Um, it was in Brooklyn. Um, and then the other game that we lost was, uh, I think Houston was on that this road trip, right? Yeah, Pardon, yeah. And I mean, that's that was just the shit show of you know the the James Harden. Is he the most annoying show. player it's in the so NBA? So maddening. It's so annoying. Yeah, um, I don't know what the other team that we lost to, but uh, the Washington Wizards. Yeah, that. I think the Lakers, I thought it was kind of inexcusable that they lost that. But that was the only one out of... That was the second game of back-to-back. Yeah, that was the only one that I felt like we should have won. But the others, I don't know. I couldn't, couldn't really blame them. Yeah. But. So, I mean, we, we already... we already. I, I guess, I think we have a good sense of what this team is. And um, they're, I would say, a little bit ahead of schedule, if anything. But... Um, What's interesting, though, is I think know, the, what, how people feel right now, though... They would not think that, you know. I think the expectations has changed. We talked about uh, about this, um, you know, in previous podcasts. But I think expectations has changed right now. You know, People I think that's more based on like per like the periphery, like outside outside factors, though, right? Like if Houston was still playing the way they were playing last year, I think I don't think we would have this talk about. Um, different expectations now i don't know because now it's like oh there's really not another there's really not a clear number two team in the west after the warriors so why why can't it be the lakers is basically like the feeling that people have now well yeah that that and also just just for the mere fact that the lakers have been able to to put together a really good record so early you know what i mean like the lakers righted the ship like Almost immediately after yeah. that 0-3 start. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I feel like the expectations have changed dramatically. Um, yeah, I mean, there's already talk about LeBron, people thinking, oh, how long will people, like, how long will LeBron wait for these players to develop, you know? There's articles like that coming up every day. They, they're, they're running out of shit to talk about, so, you know, they got to, <laughs> they got to, like, pull something out of their ass right now to... Get the clicks? Yeah, to get the clicks, so... Um, yeah, I'm just so sick, like, do you... Just just seeing these video clips online every day, it's like how many days in a row can you talk about um, the same things over and over again? Uh, yeah. You know? And it's super, it's just clickbait, you know? So. Which is why we got to think of a really good clickbait for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're not doing that. We got it. Okay. <laughs> we gotta. The other, the people, the, the people in the mass sports media, they, that's their MO, okay? Not Magic, us. Magic Johnson hates Luke Walton. Listen to hear why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, I think Brian Windhorst today, he uh, tweeted something like, LeBron wants the front office to pursue Anthony Davis. And it's like, oh, yeah, really? Like, <laughs> it's like, who doesn't, right? Yeah. It's stuff like that that um, the daily consumer has to deal with nowadays, um, which is why we have our podcast, so that you can filter out all the bullshit. <laughs> we give you the, uh, yeah. We give you the truth. We give you the facts. You know. Um, real news, not fake news. Yes, real, real opinions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, none of, none of the clickbait. You know, listen to us if you want. Um, if, if it is, it's done tastefully. You know, right, <laughs> right. Well, why, why would you want to listen to like a bunch of white guys on TV when you can listen to two Asian guys in a podcast? Well, obviously, so, you know. Obviously. Okay, I think we've exhausted this uh, this episode. Um, you know, Christmas is coming around the corner, so we'll probably touch base again after Christmas. So that means we'll probably talk about the Lakers and the Warriors game that's going to happen on Christmas. Um, I don't know if uh, any of these, I don't know if Brandon Ingram or Rondo are going to be back for that game or not. Um, I think, um, I think Rondo and Ingram will be back. There was talk about for the Rondo. Christmas game. Yeah, there was talk about Rondo being back within a couple games. Um, okay, so we'll uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, either way, how that game plays out. Um, but uh, yeah, hope you guys have a very good holiday. Um, and uh, unless you have anything else to say, Chris, um, not at all. Okay, so uh-huh. thank you for listening. And uh, we will check in with you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to 81 Points. We are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me, Chris Lim, and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.